Hello and welcome to a Triple Takeover, the fortnightly podcast that talks about Transformers and other vintage and related toy lines. On episode seven, we're talking about completism. Your hosts are, as always, Liam from Toybox Soapbox. Nanu Nanu. And Sixo from Sixo. Hello indeed. So, chaps, how are you doing? Very good, thank you. All right, you know. Lots of people having parties outside, as you can hear my dog. She's having a fun time trying to join in. Yeah, all good here too. Uh, no real parties going on outside, as far as I'm aware, but uh, just the old podcasting party going on in here. So This is the place uh, to be, this. Oh, absolutely. It's it's uh, banging, mate. What can I say? VIP event. We've uh, we've recently been described as uh, grown men talking about tidying up. So I guess we've got um, we've got a standard to meet, haven't we? That's yeah, the party definitely. vibe smashed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, tidy up party. Yeah, one minute we're cool, hip, having the banging party, no hats, no trainers. Next, it's like, oh, yeah, where's the Hoover? <laughs> Get your duster out. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, was like, it was like one of those I'm in this picture and I don't like it moments, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I feel severely called out but can't really argue with it. So, The Transformers will return after these messages. All right, so this week we're looking at completism. So while this may not be a concept that's uh, familiar to all collectors, I kind of feel like it's something that tempts all collectors, and even if they're aware of it or not, they can sort of end up on this road. But for those who aren't familiar, I figured we could start by asking each other, what, what do you uh, what do you think of when you hear the term completism when it comes to toy collecting? Well, I guess it's it's a fairly common thing, as you say. It's it's the the desire or the pull, maybe. I don't know if it's a. I think for some people it's a want, like it's a it's a set out thing, like I want to to complete. For some people, it's definitely not that. It's more of a a pull, like almost that they have no control over but i guess we'll get into that to collect absolutely every single toy in a particular line or you know subline or whatever it may be it might just be a very small set of toys it might be a larger set like the whole of g1 or whatever but it's that need or desire to have absolutely everything to whatever level liam what does it mean to you <laughs> to me i think it's more of a perspective isn't it it's uh there are different ways there are like six i just said it is complete either collecting everything or it's how you define it for yourself for your own collection it's do i just collect say the g1 cartoon crew rather than all of the toys that are released and i think you kind of have it's how you focus your collection and then you complete it based on that i suppose i wonder if you can even use the word focus when it comes to completism if you're just collecting everything because you know it's like surely it's the opposite of focus but yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't know. That I get it, what you mean. If it's yeah. like one subline, you focus on G one cars, or you focus on headmasters. But if it's everything, I think that's but total it, but, opposite. But if you set out with a specific goal of what you want your collection to be, say, if you're like, I'm going to collect all of the G one art crew, for example, hmm. and then you buy the toys for that to fit and complete that line, don't you? It's not a specific, it doesn't have to be a specific toy line, I suppose, for some people in terms oh, yeah, of completism. I, I agree with that, but I think, um, uh, yeah, I, I give a nod to what Maz was saying as well. I yeah. think that is that shows an element of focus of like, I'm only going to collect these specific characters or like, I don't yeah. know, people might say, yeah, like Masterpiece, I'm just going to get 
the cartoon ones, you know, not the Diaclone or you know, the, the toy ones or whatever. Um, and that shows a bit of focus. It's still completionism in a way because it's still like I want my lineup to be complete, but yeah. it's at least focused in, cast, in some way. Aren't they? Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I guess but, when I think of completionism or completism or hmm. whatever you want to call it, I I think of that lack of focus. Actually, it's sort of not that it implies a lack of focus to me. I'm not saying it in a bad way, but it to me it more implies just going at it you know just getting absolutely everything like a like a masterpiece completionist would get everything you know all of the yeah. the, the every single toy diaclone everything they would get you know all of the stands and the little things as well that like there's that um uh, coronation gear set that's coming up with the new set of seekers if you've not seen that it's like a mail away thing you would have to have that as well to really be a, a completionist. And and we've known some of those people along the way as well that, you know, I'm thinking of one in particular that really kind of go out of their way uh, with Masterpiece, actually, to to make sure, you know, I've seen people um, that have to, like Rodimus is a good example, MP9 Rodimus, you know, because the, that was obviously a 2010, uh, Takara 2010 release. And there were, there were various bits of bump that came with that. You know, there was a little stand uh, that, that he could go with that was a mail-away item that you could, had to kind of, to, uh, kind of collect the, the robot points for. There was um, a bag that uh, that came with it as well that had, uh, the I think it had the flame emblem on it. I can't remember offhand. I'd need to see a picture of it. Um, there was also a, uh, a box that he could go in, like a display box thing as well. And all of these were kind of separate items that you could get. And I know of collectors that have to have all of those items to kind of consider their masterpiece collection complete whereas some people would just you know just having mp9 that would be fine for them obviously um so i think there are degrees of it definitely but i I guess when i certainly when i think of completionism or completism i think of the people that really go you know like balls to the wall with it you know they really kind of just all bets are off there's no there's no like holding them back they're just like every toy will be in their possession you know um when he was talking about that, Liam, I hope, Liam, you're the only one who can hear me here. I yeah. was pretty sure he was talking about himself. Is that what you were thinking? <laughs> I he, knew that was There was, was definitely a personal angle, wasn't there? It was very much... <laughs> yeah. No. Because he's all like, yeah, there was this guy who bought this. Yeah, but who did he buy it off? He bought it off you. <laughs> well, <laughs> the, the, was it? I had the I had the Rodimus stand, and there was a dude that bought it from me. And actually, it was the dude that bought the stand from me that I was thinking of. Um, Didn't he buy the... Like cardboard prison off you as well? Uh, no, no, someone else bought that. Uh, okay. Someone else bought that. I did have that one as well, just because I was intrigued by it more than anything. Uh, and I did, at one stage, I would say I had, certainly by my own metric, a complete uh, masterpiece collection. Uh, I don't anymore, though, because, you know, a couple of bits have gone and, and whatever. I've still got a lot of it, don't get me wrong. But um, but yeah, it, at one stage, it was complete. But I think actually, it was it was the stand going that Rodimus stand that I was like, okay, well, it's not complete anymore. So it doesn't mm. matter. Uh, and it was, um, it was kind of freeing, actually, I think I'd never set out to be a completionist, I'd never set out to have that complete lineup and, and all of the different bits and bobs as well. But actually, suddenly the one piece going, it's almost like, um, like popping a cork, you know. Suddenly, it's like, okay, well, it yeah. doesn't matter anymore. Do you know? What I mean, if I don't have that piece, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna seek to rebuy it. Uh, the offer that I was made, I couldn't refuse to to part ways with it, um, and it, it didn't feel like something I needed to own again. You know, I'd had it once; it had gone. So then, completionism for me was off the table at that point. If that sort of rings true, you know, it was a, it was an interesting one, definitely. 
This thing, um, you were talking about, you know, just this topic and this label of being a completist. And, and we've already touched on the fact that some people can focus on a specific thing and be a completist, you know, like the art crew, but spreading the art crew even perhaps across yeah. various toy lines or eras. But uh, don't you think that you you can apply that label sometimes just by looking at someone's collection? And just by looking at a photo of someone's collection, you can tell that's a completist. And if, for example, you looked at the collection of someone who had just the art crew, among other things in the collection, and they had completed that art crew across an era of toys, you know, Generations G1, Masterpiece even perhaps, and uh, you'd never look at that particular shelf of the whole art crew and say, that's a completionist or a completist, would you? No, I mean, no. they might think of themselves that way, but that's not, I think, to a majority of collectors, they wouldn't look at that and equate those two things. No, you can definitely see the difference, can't you, between sort of a theme and someone who is collecting everything. You can mm -hmm. you can sp spot that quite quickly because things are grouped together, aren't they? And they're very, it's very easy to spot the difference. But I was going to say, like, even if it's just Masterpiece, it, for example, if, if Sixo was displaying his collection, the entirety of his collection, and on one particular shelf, he had every single variant of MP1 and MP10, and they were in like this massive line, and it was almost like you were looking at every possible release of it, you would be forgiven for thinking that this is a masterpiece completist, wouldn't you? Yeah, that would be your natural assumption. I think you're mm. right. You can sort of snapshot that stuff and, and think that. Um, I, I guess it's always interesting in some ways to see which bits people don't have in their collection then, like which bits they've either actively chosen to leave out or maybe not been able to get hold of. Or I mean, we, we were talking mm. vinyl tech, you know, in the last episode. And of course, there was a really interesting example of the, the Wonderfest uh, Black Convoy, you know, that actually a lot of people couldn't get hold of. And so that would have been, you know, a notable absence. So even a lot of vinyl tech or vinyl tech and alternators completionists, completists would have had that missing. Uh, and, and I don't know, that for me is an interesting one. Like, do they consider it complete without that? Or is that always like a gaping hole for them? You know, do, do they look at it and think, well, like, for, do you know what? Just winding it back, actually, here's another example. And this illustrates my point. I just said at one point I had a complete masterpiece collection, but I never had the Lucky Draw MP1 Convoy. And nor mm -hmm. would I have ever done because, right. I mean, it's ludicrous, right? Like, it's, it's, uh, we know someone that, that has it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's incredible to, to see pictures of it, but that's not ever going to be something that I'm, I, I, it's not even on my radar to consider a purchase like that, you know? So, but I always considered this is complete. And so I guess someone else might look at it and say, it's not, you know, you've not got that absurdly expensive gold thing. Uh, but actually to me, that never even kind of entered my thinking. If, if that, you know, if that, you know, kind of rings true. It's, it's interesting. There are sort of, there are sort of rules though, aren't there almost that you can come up with for things like that? Because, Though you, you've completed the retail releases, haven't you? And it's what you can buy, what's available. Even the difficult yeah. ones to get, like the exclusives, they're still achievable. Whereas one-offs like the Lucky lucky Draw, it's not. And so you don't consider maybe it that's... part of the line as much. Exactly. And maybe that's it. Yeah, I guess there are always ways to the kind novelty. of... Novelty. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And there are always kind of ways to... Um quantify it i suppose like you said retail releases and actually as soon as you said it i was like yeah okay so actually it was complete in terms of retail releases and and maybe that's just how people uh, kind of quantify their own collections or yeah. whatever or say this is complete uh, and sometimes i think we do that 
Um, even if we might like to have some of those more uh, outlandish toys or whatever to, to complete something, maybe we have to kind of give it that sort of definition, if you like, and say, oh, it's retail releases or it's this or it's that in order to kind of limit ourselves a little bit and, and have some boundaries. You need those sort of rules, don't you? Yeah. That's the thing, though. Um, the first, very first question we asked was, well, what is completism? So obviously, it's it's not the same thing to, to everybody because to mm. one person, it's completing all of Transformers, owning everything that ever came out of Transformers. Six hour. <laughs> you knew it was coming. Right. Or it could be, I mean, you know, someone starts collecting today and they decide to collect Prime Wars trilogy or War for Cybertron trilogy if they get all of those toys, every single one, exclusives as well, uh, they would consider themselves a completist because they're trying to complete something. So, yeah, I mean, I, I like I said, I can still look at a collection today and I'll get an idea that that person is probably a completist because they've picked up everything and its variants and its different releases, even like changes in packaging and stuff. And I know from my own history, I've tried to be a completist for various lines. I've never, ever tried to be a you know, total completist, own everything. I've never thought that was possible. Not even back in the 90s when it was just G1 to collect and Beast Wars. And I never thought that was even possible back then. So completism, so we're happy to say that it's just people who want to have everything of a particular recognized subset. Happy with that? I guess so. Yeah, I think it has to be. I don't think, I mean, does anybody have every Transformers toy ever? I don't think, yeah. is no, that humanly humanly possible? I, I can't see how it yeah. is now. I mean, after, you know, 30, what is it, 37 years, there's just too much. Can, how much space would that even take? And and then again, you know, where there's there's always boundaries or, or kind of quantifiable measures to it. You know, if you're going to say every Transformers toy ever, okay, so maybe let's say there is someone that thinks that's possible and that's what they're going after. But then do they collect every variant? You know, are they going to get every like hard-nosed G1 seeker instead of the rubbery-nosed ones? You know, are they going to get every, are they going to get like the, the you know, <laughs> Maz is pulling a face. You can see that's, uh, I'm speaking your language now, brother. It was what you said earlier. It was like, I'm in this picture and I don't like it. I was like, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Are they going to get like Seji Redshot Prime as well as the, the, the regular Optimus Prime? I'm just like naming a few common variants. But, you know, is that, uh, do they consider themselves complete when they've got every, as you said, Liam, every retail release? Or actually, do they have to get every variant as well? Because at some point, it's just going to be impossible. I mean, no one can collect all of that. Anyone I've ever known who was a completist of the entire franchise and brand has pared down or given up trying to do that. Yeah. And and it's obviously been in the last few years when releases have exploded and there are more lines than you can keep track of now. But I yes, think- I mean, all those toys you just mentioned, I have seen and owned in pursuit of a particular type of completion. So I see Optimus Prime completists chasing what you just mentioned. I see G1 jet completists chasing exactly what you just mentioned. So yeah, there there are like compartmentalized completism going right. on. Right. I think that's hobby. it. I think it's that. That's exactly it. Compartmentalized completionism. And I think the, the smaller the field of focus, so let's say you just collect Optimus Primes is your thing. The smaller the field of focus, the more likely you are 
to search for every little bit within that field, I think. Because then, you know, if it's just Optimus Primes, you know, you, you're probably not going to limit yourself to, I mean, you're certainly not just going to limit yourself to G1, right? You're going to go after Unicron Trilogy and, you know, everything else since. But probably you might uh, lend yourself open to more variants as well. So you would get Pepsi Prime, you would get Seji Prime, you know, those um, those ones, you know, you would probably get the Jafcon Prime, for example, even though it's not red. I, I'm just guessing. But mm-hmm. I think, it, whereas actually, if you open it up more, and you say, okay, I'm going to I'm going to have a wider wider field of focus. I'm going to spread my completionism across more lines, more things. It becomes uh, it becomes more impossible. Ultimately, you can only get so many toys, right? <laughs> so, so from that, would you say then completionism is more collecting with a goal in in some senses because you're pretty much set in an end point, aren't you? There, and you have a specific goal, and you are getting every toy on the mm. path to that goal. Like you say with the Optimus Prime's example. You are specifically going after every Optimus Prime, but that's it. That's your only goal. And like we were saying with the masterpieces, yeah. people are going after the cartoon crew or whatever, and then that's the goal. But to them, they've completed that task. And it's very different to collecting in general for a lot of people like us. You you buy stuff and you have a sort of a focus, a general focus, don't you? But you pick mm-hmm. up things from different lines over time. You start getting into different lines and you build up different bits and barbs. Whereas if Again, back to the Optimus Prime example, that's a finite goal, isn't it? And so it is. I wonder if that's what it is more than anything. Yeah, it's an interesting one because I guess it's kind of counterintuitive to what I was saying before, which is that actually in my head anyway, completionism implies a lack of focus, you know, that it's almost just like, okay, gloves are off, I'll collect anything, you know, within a, a particular line or whatever. Maybe it is pretty focused. I mean, actually, it's just occurred to me you know, let's take G1 as an example. Uh, I, you know, I know lots of people that have uh, either tried or have completed, in their own words, um, let's say, you know, Western G1. You know, a lot of people put Japanese G1 to one side because of how expensive some of that is, you know, or, or whatever. But um, a lot of people feel that American or, or European G1 is is quite attainable as a, as a goal. And I, I know a couple of people that are, you know, are on that way. And uh, I think what's interesting is that actually we have uh, friends, that, <laughs> a bunch of us that have a little shared spreadsheet. And it's just occurred to me that actually that I, you know, I have, um, you know, my my name is on there and I've ticked off a lot of a lot of stuff on that spreadsheet as well. And it was never a goal to, to complete G1, you know, or any of that. But actually just the nature of having a spreadsheet where you're ticking stuff off against a list sort of implies that you are measuring what you've got against a, a complete standard? Yeah, but I think there's a difference between goal setting and completing and completionism because your goal could just be to have all of 1984 or just to have, my goal is to have Autobot cars, Autobot jets, everything that was in the show you know, or everything that came out in the US. But I, I do think there's a different element to being a completist. You know, someone... And it's almost like it's become, it's just been naturally made easy for people because Transformers is spread under different banners, Beast Wars, Beast Machines, Robots in Disguise, Generation 1, Generation 2. So people can pick and choose the element that they want to complete if their collecting is wired that way. And I think this actually leads on really well to the next question, the natural next question, which is why? Why would people choose to collect in this fashion instead of just picking up whatever they see that looks cool to them? Like, yeah, that looks cool. I'll have that and I'll enjoy it. 
why do they goal set in the first place? Especially when that goal is to complete a particular subline, toy run, every version of a character, every variant of a mold. Why do they do that? I suppose sometimes you need a direction, don't you? Otherwise, it can be quite overwhelming with dozens of different toy lines and things spinning off into every other way. And it can it can overwhelm you. In, you just don't know what you're doing. <laughs> and you just end up buying lots of things and you don't get as much comfort sometimes from it. You can feel quite empty as you're sampling everything. And I suppose some people need that focus and that drive to keep going almost with it, which is a really weird way to look at it. But I think for some people, that's how it works. Yeah, I can I can recognise that. I definitely. I think uh, I, I talked in a previous episode about with you know talking about G one again that I um, for a lot of G one you know looked to collect by subline because I found it a lot of fun actually to be like okay going to look for the monster bots now and then it's like the hunt is on for the three monster bots you know and uh, that for me was a very satisfying way to go about things because suddenly it gives you a very singular focus. Uh, you know, you're not looking at absolutely everything that's out there and um, kind of going a bit crazy with it. So it does keep you within a fairly narrow field, which I think is good at times. Um, and and yeah, I found it very satisfying because it was like lots of little mini achievements. You know, every time you completed a, a little subline of three toys, it was a nice feeling to suddenly think, OK, well, I've got those three now. I'll move on. So I, I can definitely recognize that. I think there is that element of of box ticking or whatever that can feel quite satisfying there's also a point isn't there you get you sort of get to when you've been collecting for a while where you almost start to go backwards you, you naturally start thinning down what you're buying like if i look over the length of generation for example i would buy a lot more i suppose like a wider scope of it than i do now and over the years i've gradually started thinning it down to i suppose focusing it without intending to if that makes sense like whereas now like like i'm picking up the beast wars characters but i'm not picking up them all just the odd one here and there whereas when the generation one characters come in i tend to pick up more of them and i've instead of buying all of them i've just over time just refined it i guess uh, and you will get people that you know with um even with new stuff they will get absolutely everything they'll get every release you know and it's uh it's almost that, that, like a that's, yeah that's a whole different subject i think that's a that's a topic we should dedicate a segment to for sure yeah but i mean you guys have talked about well you six you've just been talking about ticking off things on a spreadsheet and maybe going after a subset of characters like three monster bots and it's an achievement when you get those i know when i started collecting the first driver for me as an adult collector was to have the things i didn't have as a kid so it was to experience new things that um, I may have wanted or didn't know existed as a child. Even if it's things like Megatron or Grimlock or Devastator, you know, never, never had those toys as a kid. Those were the first things I went after. And then as, as things went on, I learned a bit more about the, the toys available within the, the hobby, within the, the franchise. I sort of refined that a bit more. But I realized that every stage of my collecting, I never completed anything. And to this day, I've never really completed anything. And this was, um, you know, Amateur. I never... Com- yeah. <laughs> Scatterbrain. I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah. I feel like I don't know you anymore. I know. Who is this man? He's shattering all our illusions. Well, it didn't help the things I picked to try and collect, to be honest. You know, it, it was first of all G1. <laughs> you start off there because that was my entry point. Then it was, ooh, Diaclone. Let's complete Diaclone. No. Then it, then it was like, okay, I'll just focus on the European section of Diaclone. Oh, what's that? There are eight toys that have never been seen before. Okay, so that's not happening. And then it was like, oh, okay, here's a new toy line, Alternators and Vinyl Tech. How did that work out? Didn't do 19 to 22. 
you know, and so it's just like a series of me getting interested in different things throughout the hobby. And I've enjoyed all of that. And I'm so grateful that I've experienced all of it, but I'd never experienced what it was like to actually finish a whole subset or a line. And I wanted to know what did that feel like? What does it feel like to get everything in the line and sit back and look at it and appreciate it and then be able to do something with it? Is that documenting it? Is it writing the story of that line? finding out things that people haven't realized because, I mean, a lot of variation info down the years comes from people who buy more toys. That's why dealers know so much about Transformers because they have the same toy 15, 16 times in stock and they recognize differences between them. They start to connect the dots. They learn things about the line and they feed that information back into the hobby. And I, I always wanted to know what it was like to have maybe, most recently, it would have been Titan's Return and Takara Legends. I wanted everything from those toy lines to the point where I went and bought another Hasbro Chrome Dome because it was being packaged, you know, errantly with the Takara version head. So there were just a few of those that were found and I, and I grabbed one of those just to be able to say, there's nothing in this toy line I don't have. And uh, I just wanted to know what that felt like, what it looked like to display it all and then to go ahead and document it. But it's like my interest never lived on that much within those lines to be able to do that or i've just not found the toys i'm still collecting juicer diaclones i've just not found the the last few that i need to be able to do whatever i want to do whether that's write a book create a website so that's definitely been a driver for me how, how far did you get with titan's return I, I know that you had most of them what were the ones that you were i think not quite there with i think hasbro titan's return i had everything including yeah. variants i think it was everything um, I'm 99% sure you did because I remember all your pictures and I'm pretty certain you had everything I, I remember one person took incredible pride in telling me there was something I was missing and then subtweeted about the fact as well that he was so thrilled that that well I'm not even going to use the <laughs> word that he used but but it was wow. like and the funny thing was like the things that he said I was missing hadn't even been released at the time of oh, the photography so that's that always was, my that's always my favorite with those with those messages you know when you get the old message saying well where's this figure or whatever and it's like dude it's yeah. not even been released yet yeah you know? but that's where <laughs> Calm that down, is exactly Johnny. where where's dirge started <laughs> that's, it, that's where it. where's dirge came from where's, it was like where's dirge and it was they haven't made a, one I know, <laughs> you know it was hilarious it, oh man that that comment i mean it we you know it's kind of on topic i guess in a funny way because it, it, it's i think it's that completionist tend tendency that people have in their brain in a funny way that drives them to ask that question you know because yep. we all of us like seeing completed lineups you know you see i mean yeah where's dirge you see you see two cone heads where's the third you know you want to see it complete and you mm. know joking aside of course there will be people that don't appreciate that one of the toys hadn't been released at the time when that joke started uh, you know, and the other one, wasn't it, was um, RC. For ages, it was like, where's RC? Mm, and it was like, right. well, so if someone makes a toy, then, <laughs> you know, then it'll be there. And, of course, now there are like 16 mm. of them, but yeah. uh, how, how times change. But uh, it, it's still, I think it's that completist tendency that kind of drives that question a little bit, even if people maybe don't appreciate kind of how silly it comes across, you know, on the other end sometimes. Uh, but uh, it, it's funny. I think we 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 all of us, whether we consider ourselves completists or not, I think we all of us have a, a sort of innate tendency to like seeing things complete, yeah. uh, even if we don't prioritize that in our own collecting. Yeah, I think we think in completeness in a way. Yeah. We want complete toys. 
you know, we want toys to have all their parts, accessories, paperwork, box, everything it was supposed to come with when we buy vintage. Well, we I, want- I think even if, even if, sorry, to, I was just going to say, even if you don't, I mean, like, I'm not too fussed about paperwork, for example. I know you, you are, Matt, and, and it's interesting because whenever we speak, you will always mention the paperwork, whereas I'm like, yeah, you know, if it doesn't have it, I'm fine. Um, and uh, I think that's interesting because even within that, there are layers of what but again it's that focus isn't it it's the boundaries that you consider important so for you paperwork's important so you would think of that as uh, you know that you need it or or whatever i just think that's interesting and i think it comes from a place of i don't want to miss anything like what if the paperwork includes something of significance what it's what if there's like a mystery that's been sitting there for 30 years and the paperwork reveals an answer to it i mean just recently uh i saw the hasbro 1984 Toy Fair catalog photos. And I'm pretty sure that's probably been floating around in the fandom for decades. But I finally saw a scan of the Toy Fair 1984 catalog, and it's the only place I've ever seen uh, the Blue Streak. This is before the line was was released. It was, oh, um, this was on the Twitter black the other day, wasn't it? Yeah, the black hooded Diaclone Blue Streak. That's the first time I've ever seen that version of the mold photographed in Transformers paperwork ever it's always the blue one or eventually when they came out the silver one i've never seen the black hooded one in transformers paperwork literature and photography maybe art somewhere and obviously the cartoon but in the vintage era that is the one and only place i've ever seen it and it explains a lot because we'd always wondered what how did it ever end up in the cartoon if it's never even been in the hands of hasbro reps when they've been doing the prep and clearly it was yes and it was and i'm always worried that like if I get this toy, and, and normally, you know, some of the stuff we collect now is quite tough to get, and it's quite costly. Not Unicron costly, mate, but <laughs> it's costly. And, you know, and if you're buying them regularly, you, you've really got to consider your purchases, and you just don't want to finally get that piece that you've been looking forward to for ages and then have it not feature everything it came with just in case there's, you know, a bit that you're missing. And you're not going to go and buy another one. So just want it all to be there. And I know that's why I've collected lines to completism. I just wanted to sort of have a global view of it and know the real story of it, if, if that's at all a thing. Do you think there's some element of conditioning to that, though? Like, we are, when we buy these toys from childhood, you, you, there's some expectation, isn't it? You get used to, in the box, it comes with these accessories and these things. And then in the toy line itself, like, say, for Transformers, it's there's the special teams, there's these groups. And all through growing up with these things, you just become so used to everything is in a set manner and there's an expectation of what's going to be there. And so it's almost like you're taught to complete things. And it's like, say, for example, if you got a toy and it was missing a missile or something, you take it back because it's not complete, isn't it? So this is, it's ingrained in you really early, isn't it? That, that sense that you have to have everything that you're meant to have almost. And it's kind of, I can see what you mean, but I think in all honesty, if I'm being completely honest with myself, I've probably been more influenced by other collectors. It's joining communities when I was fresh to the hobby and seeing what other collectors who I admired for their knowledge and for their involvement and contributions, what they found significant. And that was automatically by osmosis absorbed by my own habits. And I just Mm. thought, well, you know, I aspire to be like those people who are significant people in the hobby they do a lot of good for the hobby and they've helped everyone's understanding progress because they do it this way. And I've sort of set that standard for myself to try and meet that standard and, uh, and sort of, yeah, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't influenced by the collectors who were in the hobby when I joined. 
I guess that's natural. It, it does make sense. But I think, um, you know, we all of us have our own kind of personal journey that we're on with it, don't we? And, and what, as I said, what we consider to be truly important or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think it is really interesting. I really like what you're saying, Maz, about the whole kind of uncovering the whole journey. But I, I do, I see you as someone that's very immersive with it as well. You know, you really like to kind of, you 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 don't just kind of dip your toe into something. You're very like, you know, you go swimming in the in the deep end with, with a particular line, or yeah, yeah exactly. He's yeah. a he's an all in kind of guy. And, totally, uh, don't you with variants and stuff, for example. Yeah, yeah. I was with that, like with uh, more than meets the eye, absolutely. And I think the idea was that I was going to do uh, a more than meets the eye cover gallery of of as as a resource, you know, to have every single cover variant. And I do believe I have every single cover variant. Uh, but I've not made the resource, you know, so I've not actually scanned them or anything like that. But I'm I'm with I'm like that with other things in life, like video games. I get into, I play one video game for the whole year, and I just go totally balls deep into it. And and I've been like that in any hobby I've been a part of. I think it's maybe then part of our nature that drives mm. it. I mean, it would make sense, right? Because not everybody's going to be the same. Certainly, I can understand what you're saying. I don't see that same, um, trying to figure the right word, that same compulsion, I suppose, in me, for example, or, or, or I don't see it in Liam as well, that oh, that okay. need to, <laughs> to you know. So I, I think we can appreciate it and understand it and yeah. admire it. But I think it's, you know, I, I don't feel as much as I might like to have a complete lineup of something I still don't feel the need to have you know every piece of paperwork or, or whatever I mean I, I guess I was chuckling whilst you were sort of describing it all there because I was thinking actually earlier it occurred to me I uh, I did some some photos today and a, a write-up of um, Generation 1 landmine and because uh, I'm doing a couple of bits on pretenders and all of that at the moment and uh, it occurred to me that I actually don't have that toy's helmet or hat, if you will. And uh, this is a funny one because, I mean, you you guys will, I'm sure, both know that I have a little bag of hats. Here it is, um, of pretender hats, because they don't the bag wear of the them hard generally. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this, this is mad as a bag of hats. It's <laughs> <laughs> my little bag of hats. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, because I don't use them because it scuffs the hair and I like my, I like my guys to have perfect hair, needless to say. Uh, you know, they've got to be immaculately coiffured, uh, my pretenders. Uh, but I don't want any paint rub, you know, because I bought them specifically to have a certain condition. Uh, but with Landmine, I got it and uh, it's in immaculate condition. But I remember when I got it, it didn't have the helmet. And I'd completely forgotten about that because, of course, they just sit in the bag. You know, I never do anything with them. And um, it only occurred to me when I got it out to take pictures of it. And I was like, okay, I should probably see about doing one with the with the helmet then and i didn't have it and now i'm in this weird world where i'm like oh so that that toy's not complete now so like does it bother me that it doesn't have it even though if i looked for that helmet <laughs> it's gonna end it, up in the bag it would just go in the bag i'd never use it yeah. so it's completely pointless and, and i've been sitting here this afternoon genuinely thinking is that a problem for me or not do you know what i mean and i've concluded- i love that i love that you're having this um thought because it's so true isn't it? it's such yeah. a thing yeah. that collectors uh, would think I'm being about honest i'm being honest yeah. i've concluded actually that it's not a problem and that i'm happy not having it because but it will still eat the- away at you no it, it, and it hasn't <laughs> so, you know to be honest the only reason i thought about it and you'll you'll both know i'm sure what i mean maz i know you will is that the only reason i really gave it thought was photographs because mm. very often i like to have stuff 
because I think I might want to take a picture of that. You know, I might, mm-hmm. like, so with Landmine, I, I, it would be nice to have a picture with the helmet, just one, just to say, I did it, do you know what I mean? And then it can go back in the drawer. But um, that's not worth searching for that one accessory for, you know, for me. So, but it is, a, it, it's, a, it's a choice, you know, it's a choice to think, okay, I don't have that, I don't need it, and I'm cool with that. And it means that it's not complete, that one piece. And therefore, you know, my complete pretender lineup technically is not complete, but also I'm fine with that. So it, it just, I don't know, it struck me as being um, a little bit of a kind of introspective moment there. It was just, it was an interesting one today. It, I think it's so important to question your motivations when, when you collect it, and a constant conversation with yourself about why am I buying this? Why do I have this? Right. What am I doing next? And what am I doing with what I have? You know, I think it's really essential as a collector because you can't just go onto autopilot and just buy, buy, buy. So I've got a question for you based on that. Um, why, why did you want to have all of the pretenders? Well, I guess that's a really good question, actually. Because again, you know, question yourself, question what you're doing, what have you. I, I think it's a really interesting question. I wanted to have them all because they were toys that I, well, firstly, they were toys that I only had one or two of as a kid. So there was what you were saying before was definitely true. There was an element of like, okay, I didn't have a lot of these. Um, and the ones that I did have, I remember being quite knackered. So like I had a skull grin, but you know, by the time I was done with it as a kid, it, you know, it looked very different, certainly. And uh, I think there was something about kind of getting them in very minty condition and seeing them in all their glory, you know, no paint chips. Mm. And that's probably where the thing with the hair comes from as well, you know, because it, I, I just like seeing them in that kind of pristine condition. Um, and I think just it kind of snowballed from there that it was like, I didn't set out thinking, okay, I'm, I'm going to get all of these. Although then the subline thing kind of kicked in. I think Pretenders actually, interestingly, was probably the first one where I was like, I'm going to focus on pretenders now um because for ages i remember groundbreaker was the one he was the last one uh i mean actually metal hawk is still to go i don't have metal hawk but that's you know let's talk let's talk hasbro releases <laughs> first of all but for ages groundbreaker was one i couldn't find and it became actually a bit of a real point of focus you know i wasn't looking at other stuff outside of that it was groundbreaker was the search and you know i saw many i mean that's a plentiful toy it's all over the place but i wanted one with no paint wear you know i wanted one that was complete i wanted one with no discoloration on the shell or the the robot itself uh you know i wanted one with nice stickers or you know whatever so there was a whole kind of uh list of criteria there um, and actually, it felt very satisfying, that one especially, to, to get in the end. And there, there was a moment of stepping back and appreciating all of them, where it was like, wow, this is super cool, you know? And then same with the, the 1990, no, sorry, 1989 Pretenders as well. Um, so I think that actually has been one of my most satisfying journeys as part of collecting G1, for sure. Uh, still don't talk to me about Metal Hawk though, because that now I've just remembered that, and now I'm like, oh, damn. But you know, uh, it's funny because I, I see you as a G1 completist. That's yeah. kind of I because I I realise that you've bought a lot of G1 and you've completed a lot of years, and the the things that still drive you to collect are the bits that you don't have from G1. Not solely drive you to collect, but you are driven 
to have the things that you haven't experienced in G1. And maybe it's the experience that's driving you, not so much the have, 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 don't have. And I have to say, a, a number of completists I've seen in the past, they don't really get particular about the condition of the things that they buy. They just need to know that they have it. And, mm. and they've ticked it off. So that's like another element, another way to do it. I, I've seen that. We, Yeah, I've seen that a lot where it's just like, because, I mean, in theory, you could collect, I don't know, what percentage, 80%, I guess, of G1 at a guess, fairly easily and quite cheaply as well. Because if you don't care about, I mm. mean, you know, I often laugh at some of the, the eBay auctions and things that you see out there, you know, but if you wanted to get, I don't know, a Target Master Scourge, for example, I'm sure there's several on eBay right now, but mm. Lord knows what condition. <laughs> yeah, probably. I but, wish. Uh, <laughs> Lord knows what condition they'll be in. You know, they'll be they'll be yellowed. They'll be missing all the accessories. Probably the target master. They'll probably be missing white one of his wings. And but does that count? You know, if you if you just want to complete for the sake of it, tick. You know, it was what a fiver and job done. Um, yeah, because how long would you actually be looking? four things if you were legitimately trying to complete all of g1 or all of transformers if everything had to be mint you, you couldn't do it in a lifetime well i yeah I, I think maybe you're right i mean particularly if you're going all the variants and everything then yes it would be truly impossible um but i think certainly i do have as you do a standard that i like to maintain that i think is important for me personally anyway that i that i kind of see um, as relevant for for my collection, so yeah, I think condition is is important, definitely. It's um, funny that you say that. That standard is what stops me buying more. It's it's yeah, a limiting same. factor, and it really meters how much I can buy. And it's my lack of discipline that I suddenly go and start becoming a bisque completist on the side, and filling my time with other purchases because I can't find the thing that would fit the main focus of my collection. <laughs> So there's that element to it as well. It's that discipline of then not suddenly starting something else that feels achievable. Yeah, but just think, man, when you get that last bisque that you need for your collection, <laughs> you can step back and just, you know, marvel at all the bisques, complete Have a bisques. pot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, honestly, sometimes I, I despair at myself. Like I've been looking for McDonald's changeables and it wasn't enough for me to find all of the changeables sealed in the US package. Then I started to think about my own nostalgia, but... What if I could find the UK versions? Because I just realized they were different. And now I'm looking for those. And then there was an auction this week for a pack of four French changeables. And I was like, oh, sealed French changeables. I mean, <laughs> that's got to be rare, right? But like, I don't want that, do I? Like, what about that would be though? proper completism. And like, I'm not sure that's what I want to do. You, you make me laugh so much. Man. I make myself <laughs> laugh, really. I can't it's, even tell you how much. I've become a parody of myself, honestly. It is hilarious. But like, you were, this was the same with Mini Spies, right? Because you. Was. <laughs> yeah, well, true. But like, that made me laugh because I, I saw it with you with Mini Spies because you you and I were talking about this the other day that you, you obviously wanted. Uh, each faction, so Autobot and Decepticon. Uh, no, no, no. Okay, okay. no, no, I've got to stop you there because, and, and I'll tell you why, I'm really sorry. Yeah, no. I, I've been doing this because I have an article in mind and, okay. and I've been working towards this for a year and I can't have you go and reveal why I'm doing okay, this article. Okay, 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 okay. I, I, just, I didn't I'm just waiting to have enough examples to be able to do the photography I want for it. Got you. And you know, people have been telling me for years, just write that Juice Diaclone book. You don't have to have all the toys to write the book. Well, damn it, I want them all to do the book. I want to do it, and I don't ever want there to be a version of it that comes along and supplants it because this wasn't complete. So but with the know, mini spies, I mean, you're right. It is exactly that. But there but is. But it's a funny. But it's funny. But 
that aside, I do I do admire it as well because you know you you have the goal in mind and you're sticking to it. And I think as much as it is kind of, um, I'm not going to lie, as much as it's quite funny at times because <laughs> I get to hear some of the more ridiculous stories about you know what you've been up to or whatever. It's it's still I still admire it because it's not the way that everybody collects and it is um, it's it's unusual and you purposely make life difficult for yourself to get to what you want what the goal that you set yourself if that you know kind of makes sense and I, and I think that's um funny but I think also I think yeah why not because that's what you enjoy about the hobby and I think that's important you know you've you've as you said earlier you've had that conversation with yourself and you've identified what it is that interests you and you're sticking to it yeah, there's also an element of delusion. For example, you remember when the three of us were, were doing like the, the GCWO, hashtag GCWO, check it out on social media. I mean, when I got to the Mini Spies page, it was pretty much the last thing we did for 1985. I was like, this is going to be the crescendo, the finale, you know. <laughs> hey, everyone, get this. Mini Spies, the whole story. Boom, nobody cared. <laughs> it's like, it just nobody cared about it. It was like the least well-performing version I, of that entire series. Like, <laughs> I'm going I'm to admit something now. I remember that distinctly. And I remember you being like, oh, but guys, you know, in three days time or whatever, it's mini spy day. I just I can't <laughs> wait. And you were so excited. And every time you mentioned it, I was kind of sat there like, no one's gonna. No one's gonna care. Oh, no, it was just know. like wow. No one's. No one's gonna give a give but a lead balloon. From him. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't want to crush his enthusiasm. He was happy. So it I was funny, so though. much of those pictures. I got Kit to do the half half colors. Like no no, let's get this absolutely right. And I was just, you know, when you hit that send tweet, and you just sit back and go, okay, here it comes. Boom. Here's the adulation. Where is it? <laughs> Any moment now, people are gonna care. <laughs> It's when you look at it no. and you go like, there's been 48 seconds and I've got one like. Where are the, where's the rest? <laughs> you know, if the, if the number of likes are not more than the number of minutes that the tweet's been up, you're in trouble. Oh, yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you ever get that feeling like when it's like the first 50 seconds and no one's liked it and you're like, should I, should I delete it and repost yeah. it later yeah. at a better time? Clearly yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> was in the wrong time here. Definitely. It's my oh, error. Like, I'm in this picture and I don't like it is the theme of today. (laughs) I get get that, you know, I mean, it's a separate topic, but I definitely get that where, you know, when you put like hours into something like a photo or an article or whatever it is, you you genuinely like spend so much time on it and you're just so happy to launch it and it goes and then it gets like 10 likes and then you post some, some meme or like, you know, stupid post or whatever and it gets like a thousand likes and it's just like, Sure. Okay. Yeah, that totally makes sense. That's that's the that's an equivalent. Uh, it does make me laugh. It's, it's almost like a an element of photo completism as well. Like we try really hard to probably f- post our photos in a way, and we're like really happy when we've got the last member of a crew, and you're like, I'm going to post them all together. I've done them yeah. individually, and now here they are as a set. And by that time, people have lost interest. You know, it's like how many more yeah. angles of this toy do I need to see? So it's like, it's almost like a thing for me to tick off in my head, like, this was the goal I had, here's the culmination of this effort. Well, you feel like you're telling a story, don't don't you, almost, to yourself. It's like a story of, I've been getting these toys and here's all the photos, basically, isn't it, as Mm. as it's progressing? Yeah, the photos definitely drives drives me in that way. You know, the the kind of, I don't know, having it on the shelf or, or, or whatever is one thing, 
taking the photos and showing the photos is is another part of it for sure. And it definitely mm-hmm. drives that. Uh, I think in some ways for me, that drives the the condition thing that you were saying mm-hmm. about before as well. 100%. Maz, because 100%. I'm like, you know, I want to, I want to, uh, it is a bit of showing off. I'm sure it is, you know, whether, it, whether I like the sound of that or not, I'm sure there is an element of that, but I want to share pictures that I'm proud of, that of something that looks immaculate. And mm. the idea of just picking up some yellowed sticker worn thing you know that that it doesn't satisfy me and it wouldn't satisfy me to have that in photos so much so uh, i'm sure it definitely drives the the kind of completest bit as well and you probably made a rod for your own back by starting this trend of posting photos of toys in a particular condition and of a particular line yeah you almost obligate yourself in a way to then make sure the rest of them meet that standard and you complete that line in a way i I think it has like a reverse effect you self-enable and Gosh, we know what that's like. Just doing oh, this yeah, podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, There's nothing more self-enabling than this podcast. I can no. tell you, it's um, cost me a yeah. fortune. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And now back to Transformers Generation Two. Uh, but I think the 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 obligatory part that you mentioned or hinted at is interesting as well because there's a lot of that. I think, and I think, um, I guess going back to your original question of what is completism, you know. That to to me, when I think of the word completism, completionism, it implies a sense of obligation a little bit as well. You know, it, it, I guess the word itself, like the the sort of, if you imagine a dictionary definition, I'm sure there isn't one, but of like completionism, it implies a sense of duty, of obligation, mm. of uh, and not a lot of fun actually. And I guess that's why mm. it, it's typically used as a probably a little bit of a dirty word, isn't it? A negative word. Ooh, a completionism. Mm. You know, it's kind of like someone that's just sucked all the fun out of the hobby and is just doing it to kind of literally is as as we've already kind of talked about you know tick off names on a spreadsheet as opposed to someone that's like really passionate and then i know that some people also see that there's this kind of like fun carefree attitude where people just buy any toy they want and it doesn't matter about completing a line and somehow that's more desirable i don't know does that ring true i've been on both sides of that fence and yeah i can see the benefits and Downsize. The, the example that popped into my mind just now where you were talking about that was uh, G1 Squeeze Play. I mean, that, that's never mm. a toy that I've um, desired. The only reason I went after it was because I had virtually every other headmaster and almost every other master from 1988. And I had on my shelf Horrible and Fangry and was actually pretty, pretty much in love with those two. I thought they were so cool. And so Squeeze Play was the one I was finding hardest to get and I needed it for that shelf. Uh, and you like, I think uh, Liam said in a few episodes ago, need is a bad word. Yeah. And um, I got that toy and I have to admit, I was like, this just isn't as good as the other two for me. I'm not enjoying it as much. There's a snake head hanging off its butt and that's just supposed to be okay. Even though it has like quite a lot of articulation for a toy of that era and looks really wild with crazy colors, but it's definitely not the one I like out of those three, but I bought it because... That's what I was doing at the time. And I didn't think I could, my collection needed it in a way. Like that's what I've set myself a target of completing. And so here he is. Should point out that Fangry has a wolf's head hanging off his bum. Fangry is top to bottom, hot pink with a green face. He's allowed. I'll, I'll <laughs> give you that. Fangry's pretty boss. But I like Squeeze Pay a lot as well. Horrible would be the, 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 the outlier for me of those three. But that's all of the topic, I guess, mm. but. So do you think that speaks to some element of disappointment with completionism then? Because 
you've bought a toy to complete that set and you've actually found it's quite disappointing. That's the outcome of you getting all three. Whereas when you just had two, you were much happier, so to speak. Yeah, I, I think the, the financial outlay on it was higher than the other two as well because it was a it was one that I was willing to go to a higher level for because it was the last of the set I needed. But I have to admit that the satisfaction and joy of doing the photographs of him with the other two and now having him on the shelf, and then if I should do another group photo with 1988, I can have them all in their wonderful shared palette. Um, makes up for it. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting because I think I can totally understand that because, yes, there are individual toys that I have that I'm like, eh, you know, less fussed on, let's say, but actually the joy of having the complete line, and it's not just a box tick, uh, box mm. tick the joy of actually having them and being able to take photos of them and interact with them and see them complete makes up for it. And I can definitely mm -hmm. identify, you know, I, there are definitely G1 lines like that, you know, where there's, there's an outlier or there's, there's, there's one that I'm less fussed on or whatever, but, it, but it's still somehow fun for me to, to, to have them. Um, I guess, the, but there are also definitely some releases that I've got through sort of a, a kind of obligatory feeling of, uh, duty or whatever that, that yeah are a bit disappointing when they get there and you're like mm. wow I can't I can't believe that I kind of went after that you know so, like Liam did you ever buy anything because it was part of a line that you were collecting and then you know maybe it's like if you had that money and you had to make a choice between buying something you thought looked cool or something that had come out and you may not be able to get later, but it's for a line that you're collecting. I mean, has that mentality ever crossed paths with your collecting at all in any way, uh, shape or form? Not really. I tend to, I don't know. I do tend to collect in, you know, a bit like that sort of say with the Dinobots, for example, I'm buying all the Dinobots, but I like them all. But in mm. general, no, I'm, I'm quite easy at taking and leaving stuff. Like I suppose the closest I got was with the, the masterpiece seekers. I, Bought all six, and by the time I was getting to the last couple of the cone heads, yeah, I, I wasn't enjoying it, and I, and I was starting to really set in that I wasn't enjoying it anymore with those. Hmm. But that's I was a good buying example. it for the sake of it because at the start it was quite exciting, but we'd seen it so many times. But I felt like I did need those characters because the masterpiece line it wouldn't it like we're talking there it wouldn't look right on the shelf almost missing that character, and that was that was actually a moment where I really did step back and go. Oh, I don't enjoy these anymore. But then, like I was saying earlier about disappointment, that really soured me on them, the ones I'd liked before mm -hmm. at the same time because I just couldn't enjoy the mold in the same way because it had put that disappointment into my mind. Those cone heads, those masterpiece cone heads, were a real, uh, a real downer for a lot of people. You know, they're they're not well made, particularly. You know, like let's mm -hmm. be honest, they yeah. they deserve better. Yeah, I mean, they're they're obviously a heavy retool of the MP11 mold which actually I think a lot of people quite liked, you know, yep. or, or at the time anyway, like I really did like the MP11 mold. And you're right, because it has, if anything, the Coneheads have kind of soured my feeling on that mold. <laughs> but generally, you know, it's it's funny because now I'm like really excited about the new Seeker um, that's coming up, uh, MP52 or whatever. But um, yeah, at the time, it, it, it was a really strange one, and and I fortunately actually I thought Dirge was the best. The third yes, one. he I was. Thought they, yeah. they he got, was the best. They actually got better as they went. Um, and whereas Ramjet and Thrust, uh, particularly Thrust, actually my Thrust is really loosey goosey and just kind of like not very well put together. 
so yeah, really disappointing. And I, I know exactly what you mean. I think I was dead excited for the idea of Masterpiece Coneheads, but there was a real feeling of obligation yeah. sort of going through the motions with those guys along and the way. And there's also sure. the cost of them as well. And it's not like yeah. you can't afford them, but it's when you're disappointed with something is that you feel almost obligated to buy. It then becomes almost begrudging, doesn't it? And you sort of then start viewing it completely differently. That had a lot to do with why I stopped collecting Masterpiece. Yeah. and Yeah, same with me. You just kind of reach a point with some toy lines. That's what I was saying earlier. There are points when you get to with a toy line and suddenly your focus shifts from being quite happy to complete it and that's your plan to then sitting it down and then picking out what you'd like, doesn't it? It changes the experience. I think the 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 seekers is probably an interesting one in any line um, because I'm just thinking back actually again just not to go on about masterpiece but I do remember it being interesting that actually with Thundercracker and Skywarp because obviously they were announced so long after hmm. um, Starscream in the in the the second ones yeah. anyway the MP11 mold and um, they were announced so long after that actually there was a genuine feeling of excitement I think at the time for Thundercracker I was so and Skywarp. Happy. Um, yeah, yeah. I, mean, yeah, I remember agreed. when they announced Skywarp, I was just like, oh my God, yes, this looks incredible. You know, I was so up for it. Um, but then it's interesting to sort of see that, you know, Takara must have been like, okay, we're onto a good thing here. And actually the Coneheads kind of killed off the enthusiasm a little bit. But I think Seekers is an interesting one because it's probably a real uh, acid test for any toy line. I mean, I have seen people getting fed up with the, you know, some of the War for Cybertron Seekers and stuff that are coming out as well, particularly as they're so hard to find. I've seen a lot of people uh, feeling that, uh, you know, like Thrust, the the WFC Thrust is kind of a, an obligated purchase, particularly as it's so hard to get hold of. Uh, you know, I've been contacted by a couple of people privately saying, do I want a you know, a, a thrust, and I'm like, no, 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 really, I'm, I'm cool. But mm. it's interesting that that is happening, and that people are trying to help each other out. But I don't get a lot of, I don't see a lot of joy with that either. But you is can that... see, and this brings up a point as well, actually, where you can see people souring on the toy line as a whole because of it. Like, yeah, like you can see people onto it. A lot of it's hyperbole, hyperbole. You know, mm-hmm. you see a lot of people suddenly say, "I'm sick of this. I'm not collecting anymore." Or they're like, yeah. "This toy, the stress of trying to get it, it's ruined what I like about these things." And so, and you see that with the dis- with how awkward it was to get it because it was an exclusive, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. But I yeah, actually had the re- was. I was really stressed trying to get them, but it, I had the reverse experience that I did with the masterpiece, where each one I got, I loved it. Like, like I really like Generations Thrust. I thought you was fantastic. Mm. I definitely had that feeling of being soured on the difficulty of getting things and the sheer volume with the with people most commonly call it the Diaclone reboot, even though it's not particularly a reboot. But the new Takaratomi Diaclone line started off as a manageable thing where every release was a knockout. And I still loved every single toy I got, but it was just getting to the point where I realized I was trying to have a complete collection to be able to enjoy every single feature of interconnectivity that they were throwing at us. I didn't want to miss a trick. I wanted to be there with everything, photograph everything, experience everything, discover everything. Um, But it just got to the point where owning that many of the same thing, having to be so on the ball with pre-orders, because if you miss it and then it's on the secondhand market, the price just escalates. That made it really unfun and i started to think like i've missed one reissue i've missed the the new big powered what is that like 250 dollars 300 quid 
I'm not going to do that just for the line. No, yeah. But the thing is, I knew that when I spent the money and had it in hand, it was spectacular. But it wasn't enough. Like even enjoying every single toy wasn't enough because it was just. I was even going out and buying three of each to start with because it was all modular, and you could do more with more. But that I soon cut that down to one, and then I cut it down to none. And it's like Sixo mentioned the gold MP1 Optimus Prime uh, masterpiece convoy earlier. I remember at BotCon 2006, I had one in my hands because the the people that we were traveling with and were staying with, uh, he had got one from Japan and he was going to sell it to an attendee of BotCon. You know, we took some fun pictures of it and and it was really nice to see it in hand. But that toy today um, has an extra zero on the price. Yeah, yeah. Back then, it was relatively still a crazy high price. Yeah. But, oh God, you broke it, didn't you? You broke no, no, it. I, I really didn't. where did did you drop it silence and after now any masterpiece collector who's a completist will wish that they were collecting at that time so some element of completism is almost your advantage is to be collecting it at the time of release it's almost becomes impossible to go back and do it retroactively and i especially feel that way with masterpiece and that gold mp1 because i think people pay so much for stuff today compared to back then, that if they'd known what that one had sold for at BotCon 2006, they'd be tearing their hair out and going, but I, I would I would buy that today for that price. But back then it didn't feel that way. But the person who did buy it is probably extraordinarily grateful that they did because today it's just unobtainable. So I've seen, a, I've seen quite a bit of that though recently, not to the same level. You know, I'm not talking like adding an extra zero, but we've talked a lot uh, more recently about stuff like Shining Magnus, you know, and mm. all of that. Yeah, that, yeah. That's were plentiful you know they were they were abundant toys at low value nobody mm. wanted them you know right. even though they were you know limited releases you you, you couldn't give them away almost you know i'm, I'm not exaggerating <laughs> too much but the but legend now... of anime astro train why yeah, did yeah, it yeah. become so valuable because it, people exactly. didn't want it didn't pre-order it they didn't do as many of them as they should have and suddenly it's rare and everyone wants one yeah i'm one of those it's, people it's one of the, so the people who didn't want it and mm. now regrets it really painfully yeah, but it's it's common, and you see it a lot actually. I mean, those e hobby uh, exclusives are, are real, you know, real ones for it. It's fair to say, but um, you do see it a lot where suddenly it's that retrospective thing, as you were saying. You know, nobody wanted it at the time. Uh, those that got it at the time, I'm sure, are grateful for it. Um, but actually, going back and getting some of this stuff can be hard. And I think there was a real window with uh, e hobby. I feel like which was sort of came to a close quite recently, where yes. suddenly the stuff overnight almost just skyrocketed and, yep. and became more impossible and i have had several people more recently say to me hey do you know where i can get a shining magnus or something like that and it's like oh dude you know it's it's going to be more difficult now for sure and yep. uh it's it's so funny i i don't know why that window just suddenly closed like almost overnight um but i think it is hard to, to go back and do some of this stuff stuff retrospectively g1 actually to a certain extent is easier than some of the stuff that's come since uh hmm. in, a, in a sort of bizarre way um masterpiece I, I think is one that would be i think ah, now like the idea of now starting a masterpiece collection and going completist on it is crazy like i can't i can't yeah. imagine how you would approach that really because the 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 sheer prices you would be paying for stuff is just i i, I would never do it personally but um I'm sure people people do. I, I, I again have spoken to people that are like, okay, I'm going to try and get into masterpiece. You know, where can I find 
MP9 and where can I find this? And they want to get all those past releases. And it, it must be very hard. Masterpiece is such a fascinating case study for that, though, isn't it? Because it's, it is a toy line where it's, it's sort of almost targeted at completionists, but it's got such a defined theme to it with the cartoon. And you've seen, you've seen it now, people who do collect everything, and you'd say they'd completed it almost, but when they've done the MP Plus versions of, say, Wheeljack or the cars, right. they will get rid of the other versions, they'll replace them. Yeah. They'll still have all the other variants, but they, they won't, they'll just go on sale. Uh, so, so I, like, I oh. yeah, 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 hundred percent. I well, I recently sold my old versions of the cars actually because I had the plus versions and I had the originals. So like I had, um, you know, MP twenty wheeljack and I had MP twenty plus wheeljack. I think it's yeah. twenty, isn't it, wheeljack? Yeah. And um, you know, I had both versions of each. And it occurred to me that all of the old versions I'd put back in boxes because. For a time, I was like, oh, it's nice to have them. Do you know what I mean? And maybe I'll get these out again someday and appreciate them, uh, you know, because I really, I actually do like the real world decos, you know, the li- the library on things like Wheeljack and whatever. And then I think just one day I just went, I, I just don't need them. They're just in the yeah. boxes. And it seems silly to me, whereas actually people will be looking for them and mm. they're in good condition. And I, you know, I can part ways with them and I'm happy with the plus ones. And it, it sort of made sense to me that. Um, but I, I do think, sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, but to you, does your com- collection feel any less complete without those versions because you've got Wheeljack uh, and you've uh, got well, I Red Alert? Yeah, exactly. I would have said so at the time, but I think I think mentally it was a bit of a shift from me. It was Again, it was the Rodimus stand that was the first, because that was the kind of the first bit to go. It kind of opened the floodgates a little bit. And after that, it was like, okay, so I, I don't need all of this. And, and, you know, I am looking at some other stuff now, like I have, uh, MP4S, the sleep mode convoy, yeah. which is a beautiful thing. Absolutely beautiful figure. Incredible release. I've got to be honest, I'm I'm considering parting ways with it, you know, because I'm just thinking it's again, it's one that lives in the box because it's it's too um it's too precious to kind of, you know, not look after or whatever. And and I love having it and I'm proud of it, but I'm kind of getting to that point where I'm like do I need it? You know, have I had my time with it? You know, and so it's interesting how the 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 once you kind of drop that completionism um, from it and, and sort of take that pin out, the 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 gloves are off. You know, where does it end? The stuff that you can suddenly do without, if that makes sense. It really finds it, doesn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's a question that completists of that nature ask themselves because that question is the very thing they're doing. Yeah. Because yeah. if it's like. A lot of it you can never display. If if you are buying everything, then some stuff is very similar to the other stuff, and you'd rather display a different figure than the same one in slightly lighter blue, unless that's how you do your display. You just want like a rainbow effect of Absolutely. every version. Mm. So a lot of stuff will just live in storage, and it's the mental, I have it. I think it's yeah. worth acknowledging, though, that I don't at any point regret any of that. I don't regret mm. collecting that stuff because I enjoyed it at the time you know and i loved having it so like i loved having those original cars and and i do see it like that like i i know sometimes people are like i'm amazed you sold them i'm really surprised because it it wasn't it wasn't actually a big thing in the end for me i was i was quite happy to see them go you know um i i don't know what what surprises you because i realized a lot of your pleasure in, in doing photography is being able to show how things were and how they are like yes i like if we Imagine Masterpiece ends. 
And, and I think this whole completist thing is a very different flavor between something that is finite and done and something that is ongoing today. That's true. So if, if Masterpiece ends, then there is a finite number of Masterpiece cars. And suddenly this is a goal that has taken a shape and has a finite form now. And it's almost like your relationship with it can change. And suddenly you think, well, I've got all of these cars. That's 95% of them. But I don't have the original colors of those. I kind of think that's the same reason sometimes people who were originally happy with Target Master Blur, Target Master Hot Rod, and Target Master Cup have then gone and bought the standard versions of those and then the ah, reissues as well. I'm in this picture and I don't like it. I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> I, I said to you the other day, didn't I? There's, there's, a, there's a G1 Blur that I was eyeing up, um, the, the 86 one. And, you know, I have a lovely 87 Blur. And, uh, yeah, I know it's just the, the lack of belly button suddenly is quite tempting. They're different it's, enough. Yeah. And they can, they can live on different shelves, different years, different concepts, movie toys, Target Master toys, and it's a finite thing. So you can mentally massage your way into seeing how that big picture looks. But when Masterpiece cars are coming out all the time and there could potentially be more plus versions or plus plus versions or minus versions, then you're going to think like, well, yeah, you know what? I'm going to let this one go in order to have the next one or just to sort of manage the space that is constantly needed Definitely. for more of them. I think I, 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 I guess coming back to my point before as well, I think this is interesting is that I, you know, I don't regret letting them go. I did, I did enjoy them for the time I had. I was sad to see them go. I was sad um, because I do love those original toys. Um, I don't know why I keep thinking of Wheeljack. Wheeljack is the one, I guess, because it's so different to the Plus version. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the, the, the all the library and stuff really does look great. So I was sad to see it go. Um, but at the same time, there's an element of enjoyment for me. I don't know how to say this. I'm going to give you a little. Uh, I'm going to give you an example. This is something my grandmother used to say to me. She, she was talking. To, my grandmother was someone that grew up with no money. She grew up on uh, on a tiny little you know house with no electricity and you know for her she had a very interesting relationship with money because she was very much a you know a thrifter a saver all of that kind of stuff and her thing was that it's okay to buy expensive stuff as long as you get your use out of it you know and and it's because it's not about how much something costs it's about mm. how many times you use it so if you buy i don't know a coat you can buy a coat that costs you 50 pounds and if you only wear it once that's 50 pounds every time you wear it. Whereas if you buy a coat that's 100 pounds, but you wear it 100 times, it's a pound every time you wear it. And that has always stuck with me. And kind of, I guess whenever I remember that, it blows my mind a little bit. So I, I guess I think back on stuff like those Masterpiece cars and think, well, was it weird for me that I had them and then I bought the plus versions and then I sold them and, you know, all of that? Well, no, because I enjoyed them for the for the time that I had them, and I did get tons of use out of all of them. So actually, the price of entry and selling them on, I'm sure I got some of the money back or whatever, it, it was worth it for me. Do you know what I mean? The, the enjoyment that I bought from those was valuable. Does that make sense, What the, the point I'm trying to get to. across? Yeah. So um, even, even though I don't have them anymore, I still enjoyed them for the time I had them. I think actually... That's very ap applicable to the toys you're talking about. But I personally, I wouldn't, like I would never hold you to that as a philosophy when it comes to something like Black Zarek. Because oh, sure. a, vi no, a no, vintage no, Black Zarek, if you were to calculate the cost per use because of the way that toy is constructed and, and all of the 
it's, yeah. it's a, you know it's a different your enjoyment from that cannot be metered from use it's no, almost no, no. like just being in the same room as it is its I, value sort I, of I think I think you've got to you maybe you've got to quantify use yes. in that sense yeah. because Absolutely. use use could be visual appreciation it could right. be taking pictures of the thing you know mm. it doesn't have to be picking up and playing with it and you know whatever. what it means I think to you it, isn't it yeah, exactly. It's how you interact with it. But certainly you've got to get some use out of it, I think, for me anyway. And I, I, you know, I, I feel like I'm going to say something now, which is going to sound like I'm dissing certain people's collections, and I'm not. But for me personally, I wouldn't consider it use to buy something and just put it in storage. That doesn't ring for me. And so I guess that's why with those cars, after a certain period of them just being in boxes, I was like, well, actually, I'm happy to see these go now. Do you know what I mean? I feel like I've had my time with them, and I can't immediately foresee a time where they're going to come back out again and be appreciated. Whereas, actually, with some stuff, is different because, like, you know, um, trying to give uh, give you another example, but I do have one or two masterpiece bits that are in boxes, but I haven't sold on because I still know that. I have them. So like Eva Convoy is another one that actually does live in its box. And that's again, because I want to protect it and look after it and whatever. It's, you know, so beautiful, but that I have no desire to sell whatsoever in case anybody's listening. But, uh, you know, just because that to me is one that I know I could get out and will get out in the future and appreciate all over again. Oh, they're not listening at this point. They're all messaging you about your sleep convoy. You yeah. can just expect a, a slew of messages. Email oh, 60 wow. at triple takeover. Yeah, <laughs> certainly. Yeah. It's not, yeah. Giveaway. <laughs> I don't think so. I'm I'm sorry to keep bringing up Wheeljack, but I think the source of my surprise you've actually covered is the fact that it's so different from the Plus version. So like, yeah. imagine if they came out with another version of the Lancey mold. Imagine if they did a Masterpiece Charger. And uh, is it Charger I'm thinking of? Slicer. 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 I'm slicer. sorry. Slicer. Yeah, you not being able to post a photo of Slicer, Exhaust, Plus Wheeljack, and Original Wheeljack, just... I can't imagine a world where that no. doesn't happen. No, but it is what it is, isn't it? I, I guess it, it doesn't bother me. I don't know. I'm 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 cool with it. So I don't know. Maybe the maybe I would get a couple of comments or whatever online. People going, "Oh, where's the original wheeljack?" I don't know, but it's it's fine. I, I, Not I, for their comments. Almost for your own pleasure of having the set of them, because actually that's quite finite. The the MP. Lancer yeah. mold is pretty finite. So, and they're so different, actually. There's only, there's only three of them so far. Mm. But I guess that's my point, is that I've made my peace with it. So I'm not, I'm sort of, I don't want to be like, I'm over it, Jack. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But I, I kind of am in a way, you know, it's like when I when I made the decision, I did think about it for a long time and reasoned, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm cool with this, actually. And I haven't really thought about it since. It's only now. And, and I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, actually, yeah, I really am cool with it. That's that freedom you've bought yourself by, yeah. by breaking the back of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It is. It did. I, I think about it a lot of times with that stand going because it was like, honestly, I know I said it earlier, but it was like a pin being pulled. It was just like, oh, okay, actually, this is not a thing anymore. The completionism thing doesn't apply. You know, the, suddenly the rules are off. I, you know, anything that I have feasibly could be sold and it and it has led to a few sales along the way there's a lot that's not me saying oh i'm suddenly i'm selling off masterpiece because i'm not there's a lot majority of it that i do want to keep but um there's just meant that a couple of bits could be offloaded you know for example i have sold my mp3 starscream 
which was one that, uh, you know, again, took a lot of thought. I was really like, am I going to do this or not? And that was an interesting one because I'm actually now going to sell off my MP11s as well because the new seekers are coming and I'm like, they look great. I'm all in, you know, I'm, hopefully they'll be good. But, and I have the, the make toys ones as well because why not? But uh, <laughs> part of me in my brain kept Classic thinking. Classic so story that. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> why not? Just have them well, on. you know, the, the old ones being sold are funding the new ones. So, and, uh, but, but equally, the, there was part of me in my brain thinking, no, no, don't sell them just yet. Wait, because it'll be great to get a photo of MP3, MP11, MP52, you know, Make Toys Meteor all in one shot. And then at some point, I just thought, sod it. I don't need yeah, that. that you know that's what I mean? not like, the reason you're collecting. It, exactly. That, that's that would my... be admitting that photography is the reason you collect. Well, photography is a big part of it. Don't get me wrong. Like photography, as we said, it does drive a lot of things. But that was definitely a moment where, as you say, you have that talk with yourself. That was definitely a moment where I thought, I don't need to do that. Like I can mm. sell on those other ones. That photo, as nice as it would be, it it's not worth it to hang on to them for however many months yeah. just for the sake of taking that one photo. I'll be fine without it, you know? So, yeah. um, you know, someone else will do it anyway. It'll well, exist. Yeah, exactly. And someone else will do it long before I get my hands on mm. it, I'm sure. Right. So, um, you know, who cares? But your masterpiece, I was just going to say, one thing that does occur to me about masterpiece, just whilst we're on it, that I think is hilarious is that, you, Liam, you said before that something about masterpiece drives an element of completionism. And I agree with that. I think yeah. there's a lot about that line specifically that, that really kind of pushes people. It, the very nature of it is, you know, assembling the G1 cast or whatever it is. So, you know, there's a lot about it that drives that behavior. What I think is hilarious is that You could Takara, talk about the numbering. Yeah, Takara yep. are doing everything they can to screw with people, I swear. They're doing it on purpose. <laughs> because even stuff like including Beast Wars in the main numbering, and, and you see so many people are like, why are they doing this? Do you know what I mean? And it's hilarious. And then they do stuff like, you know, um, Road Rage is MP26. But I was going to say Road out, Rage. Yeah. Spin Out is MP39+. plus. So where, how do you explain that? And yeah. I've seen some of the most tortured explanations I can imagine online as people are trying to like... <laughs> it's been worth it then. Oh, it's, it's... hilarious. I, I, oh. I chuckle every time I see someone really going to town on trying to explain the numbering system in Masterpiece because honestly, I think what happens is, is they're like, this toy would be cool, let's release it. What number is it going to be? Yeah, whatever. And they just slap it on the box and they go. I think there's a lot of care put into that line. I think the numbering is not part of it. I think they just, honestly, they just number it whatever and they're done. Um, I, but on, in hilarious. one occasion, I wish they'd given it more thought. And, and Sid is the one who mentioned this and is like, what if Megatron had been MP38? I mean, how yeah. cool would that have been? And it was um, 36, wasn't it? And they, they could have yeah. just delayed it just, by two, yeah. two right. releases. Yeah. Uh, but but I remember when they did MP25, and uh, <laughs> do you remember? Because it hadn't been announced. We'd had 24. We knew what 24 was. And for ages, it was like, what's 25 going to be? And you had people going, it's going to be Megatron. It's going to be Megatron. It's going to be Galvatron. It's going to be something major because it's 25. It's like a round number. You know, it's going to be a, it's got to be something amazing. And, and there was a huge gap before 25 was revealed. And then, of course, it turns out to be tracks. And the best cardboard. <laughs> the best cardboard. I loved yeah. it. I, I loved Isn't it. Isn't that the great thing about having a podcast that you can just, this is our platform to say MP25 tracks. We're writing that wrong. Yeah, yeah it's, it's incredible toy. And anybody that says it's not, well, they can, they can start jump. their own podcast. 
They can, I was going to say they can jump Podcast in the river. But <laughs> yours is maybe slightly less harsh. Yeah, but no, it's an incredible toy. I absolutely love it. But I just thought it was so funny that people expected the numbering to lead to some consequence, mm. and of course it didn't. But people still look for that um, methodology in the numbering of Masterpiece, and I think it is the completionism. Yeah, kind it of supports tendency. the methodology. It supports yeah. the philosophy of it, absolutely. It There's that immense satisfaction of seeing numbers 1 to 50 or 1 to 100 from 100%. the side. Consistent packaging. Don't you dare change the packaging. Vinyl tech, what were you thinking? You know, it's know. that exact thing. Like, it all feeds into it. And I don't... The, the, the Beast Wars thing in Masterpiece, I saw so many people getting quite angry with Takara, actually, for introducing you know, Masterpiece Optimus Primal and putting it in the main numbering just because mm. they were like, well, now yeah. now I don't have all the... I don't want to collect, uh, you know, Man in Pig and now, <laughs> and now um, you know, Truck Not Monkey and all of that malarkey and now I'm not going to have all the numbers. So, yeah, people were angry. It was... Um, it's I, I've... At the risk of sounding unsympathetic, I find it quite funny just that it's... I, I used to be bothered by the numbering and then at some point I was like, okay... Because they were amusing. they were totally let off the hook with the original movie masterpieces, weren't they? Like yeah, MPM one or MPM two. Yeah, yeah. They made it a new line. Yeah, they made it a new line. Yeah, it, I, it, I some, think honestly, they're having a laugh. Yeah, some of my favourite memories of the like TFW was when you remember when not masterpieces at its peak so much, but when it was when the fervor was at its greatest, and it was when they were doing the car bots, and I can't mm. remember which one it is, and it's I think it's one of the repaints got like a, just a normal number, and people went crazy. And it was just, yeah. it was so funny seeing people like, they, they're just outraged by this. And it's like, for me, it was just like, I didn't I even think pay attention to it. was them. Road Rage was the yeah. first one, right? I think that's Road the one, yeah, they treated it as a separate. 26. 26, yeah. And, yeah, and again, straight after tracks. Yeah, yeah Spin Out like, and the ruined. others are not. They're all, I mean, Spin Out is a plus release, which is also weird mm. because why is it not MP39S or whatever? Do you know what I mean? It, which would make more right. sense. Um, but uh, Cor- it wasn't it's, Corden its own number two. Yeah, he was 42, yeah. I think. Uh, so Corden gets his own number, but Spin Out doesn't, which is, yeah. I mean, where's the logic in that, you know? Um, but uh, I think it's, it has driven a lot of people to to distraction. Uh, and, and and I think it all ties into the completionist tendency, definitely. Yeah. And I wonder if Star Saber made them feel the same because of those who were assembling a cast of show characters, maybe that just wouldn't have appealed to them. And you, you touched on that a while ago about how MP Star Saber just just because it was masterpiece, a lot of people were like, well, I don't know the character, so I'm out. But for completists, maybe that was um, was a tricky one. It is Quite incredible probably. how how that completionism then extends from the toys to things like the numbering system. It's just quite amazing how far it goes, mm. isn't it? Well, is it not somehow, maybe not for everybody, and I'd hate to put a blanket statement out there, but there is a degree of compulsion to it, you know, um, I'll stop short of saying OCD because I don't want to associate it with any negative connotation of it being a disorder or anything like that. But I certainly, I know I I laugh at myself and I use the phrase OCD when it comes to some of my collecting habits and uh, the degree of difference between the five or six Diaclone Mirages I had. But there is a compulsion to it and there is this sort of meticulousness to it and I can totally see why the numbering of a line that has tried so hard to stay consistent um, bothers people who, who collect that way. So even though we've expressed really differing views on you know, how our collections could fall into completionism or completion or, or not fall into those, 
are there any lines that any of you guys have ever set out consciously to complete and have the full set? No. <laughs> Never. I mean, for me, it's so defined by just, like, I don't know, if I use the turtles, for example, once I've got the four turtles and possibly a shredder, I'm pretty happy despite the dozens of other toys you can get. And it, it tends to go like that in all of the toy lines, really. Even Jurassic Park? Yeah, because there are so many bloody dinosaurs. <laughs> oh, wow. Too, too many dinosaurs. How terrible. There are, there are dinosaurs I don't know what they are or how to pronounce them. <laughs> Mate, my son's got a book. I can lend it to you. It's, uh, it's, pretty, good. it's pretty good, actually. Does it also teach pronunciation? It does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, uh, yeah, it spells them out phonetically. It's pretty good. <laughs> I see. I'm surprised because I feel like you have every version of the Jurassic Park Jeep ever. It's you know what? I have almost every version, but there are Ooh. things I've left. Like it's do you stretch to the? There are like the remote controlled versions they do now and stuff like that is. There are so many of them, and the various Matchbox ones. There are so many variants. I guess does it does it then? I guess it's what we we're saying earlier, isn't it? Is the the quantifiable bit of it? It's what maybe what you consider a toy or what you consider part of it. Like I don't know if you only collect Optimus Primes. Like we know someone that only collects Optimus Primes. I, I think then... he he's requested that we name him now. Yeah, we're not going to do yeah. that though. Because, no, because he requested it. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then, and then he'll never really know if we mean him or not. But um, anyway, uh, this Vincent person... Wang, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look yeah. him up on IMDb. Yeah, indeed. But this person... It'll be a very short him. entry. <laughs> um, he's, uh, you know, if you only collect Optimus Primes, are you then going to get this new 700 quid thing hmm. that's coming out, the, the self-transforming one? Does that count towards... Or is that not a toy? You know, is that not kind of something that your brain would kind of click and go, oh, I need that. Because I guess it's like the same with yeah. remote-controlled uh, Jurassic Park Jeeps. I don't know. Maybe there's well, a distinction. Well, that Jeep is actually a fantastic example, a current example, because they've just released a new version of it with a roof. <laughs> and it comes with a little Dennis Nedry figure, and a Dilophosaurus. And I'm going to buy it, but I'm planning to sell the Jeep because I only want the Dennis Nedry figure because I'm quite happy with the one Jeep of that scale that I have. I'm, I feel like it's done once I have that version of it. Whereas I don't need other slightly different versions of it, if you know what I mean. I don't need all of them, as long as I have a version that exists, really. You see, it's, it's interesting, like, this discussion about what qualifies as a toy. I was just thinking about those, like, Jada die-cast rides figures for the movie toys. And, you know, they've done, like, a G1 Optimus figure that uh, it's just the truck, but it's a really detailed die-cast large truck cab of Optimus Prime, non-transforming. Have you seen it in person? No, I haven't. I'd actually quite like to to see it in person. They have it in, they've had it in Forbidden Planet a few times when I've been in it, and it's gorgeous. It just looks beautiful. It does look really nice. But see, the Optimus Prime collector does collect those kind of things. He does buy like the little die-cast pullback toys, non-transforming, just almost like Matchbox-style figures, Hot yes. Wheels-style figures. He does collect those. So that's... That's obviously that level of commitment to Optimus Prime runs pretty deep. That's all those Tomorrow Never Dies royalties, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) And also, he also he's really into Legends class figures, and you know, there's definitely a degree of completionism going on with that, and that's why we always just like link him to, like, have you got this one? Have you got that one? It's almost like we vicariously want him to achieve this goal, and we are actively looking and saying, like, oh, have you got this one? You should get that one. And but do you think that that's interesting in itself? Do you think that that 
identity sort of happens, doesn't it? Where you're yes. like, because uh, I had it for a long time where people are like, oh, you're you're a masterpiece collector. So you, you inevitably get tagged in absolutely everything to do with that. Uh, you know, Maz, you're, you know, synonymous for a lot of people, I'm sure, with Diaclone or with vintage variants or whatever it might be. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, again, you can't talk about a Jurassic Park Jeep without thinking about Liam. So yeah. it's right. You, you you sort of take on that identity almost, don't you? Where people yes. would as- assume that you have everything, or they would actively, in a funny way, want you to have everything vicariously through mm-hmm. you. If that sort of you know makes sense, because <laughs> it's that feeling of maybe satisfaction in seeing someone else achieve what they right. set out to do. For sure, absolutely. I've taken a lot of enjoyment in having an identity and sometimes I've struggled to sell toys in the past because I felt like I was sacrificing an online identity that I had established, uh, maybe not even uh, deliberately, but then once it was there and like, how can I still be the guy who wrote loads of articles about finished Diaclone toys if I don't own any anymore? And have I now finish? Oh. How has that never occurred to you? <laughs> I think you've broken. <laughs> I think I have, yeah. It's just that world-weary look that Maz gets when I speak sometimes. <laughs> He's edited himself out He's of this episode. Choosing his response very carefully, I think. I, I don't have the words, so I'm just going to carry on like the bulldozer I am. <laughs> But yeah, I, I thought like by selling those toys, am I no longer that person? And then do I, you know, maybe this is slightly immature thinking looking back on it, but like, am I no longer important or relevant? Uh, you know, it's really funny, actually, when I did sell a whole bunch of toys, there were a bunch of people who no longer were interested in talking to me because I no longer had toys that they were interested in. And I could not help them get those toys because I was no longer in that circle. And th- that was really interesting to see that, that those dynamics exist in certain parts of the community online, too. But yeah, yeah, I do think identity is thing, and I, you know, I like being referred to as the Juicer Diaclone guy. I don't even know if I am referred to that way. That's how I see myself. That's the collection I really, really want to complete more than anything else. If I was laser focused, I wouldn't be spending money on Mini Spies or Bisque or Studio Series or McDonald's Changeables or Macross or whatever it is this week. I would just keep my money. Wait, wait, search, search, spend all my time searching just for that. So I guess I'm not that much of a completist, really, because I've managed to amass quite a significant vintage G1 collection between the last two Juicer Diaclones that I bought. But yes, identity is definitely a part of it. Hmm. For some. Some people do it privately and in secret, and they don't share their collection, but they are completists. I know of a G1 and Transformers completist. He doesn't share his collection. He doesn't take part in forums. He's bought a lot of things off me, some of my rarest ever things he's bought. But even he got to the point where he just doesn't know what to do with his storage. He just can't keep up with the number of releases. And I think I can see it's almost like when I say to him, hey, you know, do you want to buy this? It's almost like, yeah, all right. You know, it's a bit like that. You you do see that reaction, though, from people. That's not too uncommon, actually. Like, um, Mm. The one that always makes me laugh is when, uh, well, I've had people tag me in uh, about MP10, you know, because I have all the MP10 variants, which is actually something I really enjoy. That's one that I have actively set out to complete. So I guess that answers your question. 
Um, Why did you do that? I'm, all about the shoes? Just I enjoy it. I don't know. I, I There's a thrill of seeing every new version that comes out. I like that they've gone really weird and wacky with, um, you know, the, particularly the kind of latter ones. Uh, some of the, uh, you know, I, I love the Bapes. They're just very cool. There's a lot about seeing those Bapes in hand that mm, allows you to appreciate them more than just photos, I think, because they're absolutely layered in paint and just actually feel like some of the more quality versions of that mold versus some of the unpainted ones, which are more common. Um, but also I do like that they've kind of gone, you know, sod it. Let's just really kind of go out there and, you know, some of the, um, uh, the Atmos ones and, and whatever, I think they're really, really cool. But yeah, I, I would say it's interesting cause I get tagged. People go, Oh my God, you know, six is going to have a heart attack cause they're going to do another MP 10 and he won't be complete anymore. And I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm up for it. You know, if they want to do more cool, like I, I like getting these things so to me it's not it's not a you know when when they announce a new one it's more like i mean they've they've teased at least another four or five of those atmos mp10s bring them on i say like great another four or five yeah 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 do you foresee a point where you'll be exhausted with how many mp10s you're buying like has at any point has it felt like i should probably instead of oh i can't wait to uh no not so far okay not so far, genuinely. And I would say, because that's the discussion, but um, not so far. I think because they've all been so different. And I think if it was, you know, I mean, there are some that they haven't done that I actively would like them to do. You know, so like I would like them to do a blue one, for example, mm-hmm. um, which they never have done uh, for, you know, kind of power convoy release. But um, yeah, so the uh, for the moment, yeah, it's it's still enjoyable. I guess if it wasn't, it's not something that I feel the need to complete, though. I, and I, I actually do think I can mentally now say, yeah, there's a distinction with this lineup in my brain because I'm enjoying it, so it's cool, and I want them all, but I don't feel the pull of, like, I must complete. So active, actually, if they did do one that I didn't like, I don't think I would find it hard to, to pass it mm-hmm. up. Um, I think and, that's and healthy. I, yeah, I think with the, with some of the trainer releases... When, I, when they first released and I looked at them, I was like, wow, that's kind of out there. And and there probably was a moment of like, do I like these? Do I not? Do you know what I mean? And it, it's not because they're not um, the most obviously aesthetically pleasing. You know, they're the kind of thing that you almost need to make a decision on of like, is this cool or not cool? And I was like, yeah, no, actually, I, I, I do like them. Like, I, I would be up for that. Uh, and that's followed through. The, the duck one that I have uh, in my collection, it's called Duck. Um, but it's it's bizarre. It's kind of got like a watermelon theme to it. It's like completely non-symmetric. Um, but I dig it. Absolutely love it in hand. It's actually one of my favorites of the MP10s that I have, uh, bizarrely. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's been really interesting that. But but it's interesting, going back to your point, that people do tag me going, oh, you know, Sixo is going to be disappointed that they're doing more. Um, and it's like, no, no, actually. Um, but I do also see plenty of people that actively don't want new toys made because they don't want that feeling of like I have to buy it now, mm-hmm. which yeah. I think is two sides to it. Yeah, yeah. And, I know I think... seeing those um, Titans, so those Legends, uh, and it was part of Titans Return. Do you remember there was different heads that you could get for Fort Max, and it oh, was, yeah, yeah, it was yeah, done in this molded face of uh, comedians. Oh, and they look really weird, but I thought, if I want to be a completist, I've got to track those down. And I think it was at that point that I just, yeah. uh, I, I had decided, yeah, I decided I actually don't like the way they look and I'm not going to get them. 
And then once uh, you've made that decision, it was a freeing. You know, it was like I, I'm glad. I'm glad for you that you made that decision. To be honest, because I mean, look, I'm I'm someone that's like, every, yeah, I can see, I can try and see the value in everything, but legitimately, I do think that 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 head, that face that I've seen, it it just looks hideous to my to me anyway. I'm sure someone appreciates it. I know people have it. It's not for me. Um, but yeah, that's a, re- a really good example. But I, but I do think that once you get that feeling of obligation, that feeling of like that, as you said, that sigh. That if you see a new toy reveal and you think, "Ugh, I've got to buy it now," it's time to have a word with yourself at that point. I yeah. think um, is the point because if it's if you're doing it and it's a slog, it's not worth it. Easy to say, easy to say. Maybe it's not so easy to do, but. Well. I do love that community thing because I just get tagged in pictures of Jurassic Park trainers. That's been my like last few weeks. That was me. I tagged you in that. I was going to say. I think it was everyone. <laughs> I loved it, but that's one of the things I love. It's like that day. It was my, everything on my Twitter was people going, "Have you seen these? Have you seen these?" My WhatsApp messages were, "Have you seen these?" And Facebook. I was even getting text messages. I, like, I, I do love yeah, the, the "Have you cool. seen these?" thing is funny as well. I know few jokes it's about funny. it quite frequently, but, but I mean, honestly, mood because. I, I frequently, if there's a new, again, a new masterpiece reveal or whatever, I get a lot of people tagging me going, have you seen this? It's like, yes, I read the same news sites you do. I have seen it. It's plentiful news that is all over the place. I'm yes, I, I've heard of Cybertronic Spree. <laughs> yes, Cybertronic Spree is the one. Occasionally, did you know there's this yeah. band? Yes, I'm aware. It's, it's just it's quite a, funny, but it's nice. You have to take it as a nice yeah. thing. That's the thing. I think with all of that, you have to remember people's good intention. Mm-hmm. In it. Oh, I'm so grateful because for me, it's how I find out about yeah, a lot of yeah. stuff. Like with the trainers, it was only because someone had tagged me in it and I was like, oh my God. And then every, everyone else who showed it me, it's just more just like, it's just making me sad because I'll just want them. Are you going to get the trainers? <laughs> I don't know how. These sort of trainers, it was like the, the Terminator trainers they did. I don't know if you ever saw those. They did the stompers. No, no. Are, are you, are you a trainer completist? No, <laughs> but but they occasionally make these trainers of like pop culture icons that everybody loves. Like the Back to the Future trainers are a fantastic example. So I can see the appeal in that. Mm-hmm. But like in say Terminator, when Kyle Reese first turns up, he steals a pair of trainers, and it's very specifically a pair of Nike Vandals, and they're amazing. But then Nike have never made them again until. It was a couple of years ago, but they become really difficult to get because they're iconic from these films, aren't mm-hmm. they? The same with Reebok. It's the Reebok stompers, isn't it? From Aliens, which Ripley and Bishop are wearing these different trainers. And when they release those, they're like, we're finally making them for people, but they're so limited and so difficult to get. They're almost always a store exclusive as well. It's always yeah. some store that doesn't exist in this country. Or if they do, they get like three. And it's just so hard, particularly because you have to get them in your shoe size. Otherwise... You can't wear them, but the, that's interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. But there, w- there will be people out there that are complete- completists of those trainers, as one example. Oh, yeah. there, there absolutely will be, and they've they've got a shelf or a house somewhere with those with all of that lined up. Um, one of my best friends, he collects Air Jordans, and he I've known him for about twenty years at this point, and ever since he's always bought them. It just has massive piles of boxes of them, and he buys every single one, and it looks incredible. And yeah, and so you get that. Also, random fact, you get yellowing on trainers as well. You know, like we talk about with Transformers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fact, yeah. Uh, okay. I noticed this when I was looking to rebuy a pair of um, Reebok pumps, basketball pumps that I had as a kid because they reissued them. <laughs> yeah. this, the parallels are amazing. And the reissues are obviously like bony white. But I looked at a few vintage ones as well, and, and they had yellowed. 
Yeah. My God. That's, that's, that's what happens. I pulled out uh, last year. I pulled out some Air Jordans that were in a box, and they've been there for about four years, and it didn't even occur to me. And I pulled it out, and all the little plastic had gone yellow, and even the rubber soles, it the clear rubber soles had just gone yellow, and it was just—it's so disheartening. That is a scourge. That is. Well, he, he does look like a pair of shoes, Scourge. So. <laughs> <laughs> the flying slipper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sorry, I could not. Uh, you know, we, we're talking about stuff that we complete. I, I have very regularly looked at things that I thought were finite and I could complete. Like Transformers GT was a line that I thought I could complete. And I think four, I did. Four toys. Yeah, but then it wasn't four toys. It was oh, the sa- this, Yeah, sorry. The safety little, prime. Yeah. And then they did a, a die cast toy as well under the Transformers GT. And then as if that wasn't enough, there was a bunch of manga that you could get in various magazines and posters and giveaways and flyers at shows. And it's like, I just realized that oh, I'm never going to get all this stuff. And, and then I'd, you know, try to be a completist about the hot rod mold. Can I get all the different hot rods? You know, and that's been a thing as well. So where's the pink one? Well, yeah, I'm never going to get that one. Although, funnily enough, I did ask the person who owns it this week if they would consider selling it. Just, it was just I just wanted to know. I legit thought this was going to be your moment. You go, I, I had that. I own that. For I you never there. did. I did handle it. I did see it in person, but I never did own it. But it's, it is astonishing, isn't it? When you think about even like a line so small with four toys, and then suddenly there are these pain in the arse exclusives that suddenly appear and become difficult. Mm. And even then it sort of puts you off doesn't it yeah and then what if the what if the test shop pops up on ebay what if you know the person who has the artwork for it you know the original box art or what if you see a transparency for its original box photography where does it stop you know it is like we said right at the very beginning completism does have parameters and you're the one who sets those parameters yeah. but do you think those exclusives or do you think that hard to find nature do you think that is enough to turn you off collecting any of that stuff to begin with because i'll give you an example and it's like i'm thinking okay so if you couldn't have found that that fifth gt bit you know would that have negated your enjoyment of the other four cars as one example and then the the one i was thinking of is actually saw a post today and again it's a a recent yeah it's a war for cybertron example uh you know generations and it was talking about all the exclusives because i think what's happening now is that the exclusives thing used to be something that kind of more um what's the kind of word i'm looking for more i don't want to say serious collectors but more like um people that are are more more deep into the hobby that that used Mm. to be a challenge for them you know exclusives finding that you know all of that but actually what's happened now is the exclusives have crept into the main line you know because they Mm -hmm. release stuff that's very hard to find and um so the one you know stuff like the ironhide and ratchet two-pack the Autobot Alliance 2-pack that was done, which a lot of people cannot find, or it's on eBay or, you know, retail stores for two $250. You know, it's kind of, it's it's a ridiculous sum of money for mm-hmm. two War for Cybertron toys. It's kind of, I mean, I have them in hand and no way is it worth that amount of money, let's be fair. Mm-hmm. Um, not from a materials point of view or anything. But, but I have seen people saying, I cannot get hold of that 2-pack, so I think I'm done with... War for Cybertron, and and they're they're swearing off collecting the rest of the line on the basis that they cannot get this one thing, or, or you know, I'm sure it's more than that because it might be several exclusives. I think this is a a recurring theme with those exclusives that they're kind of annoying people. Well, we've um, mentioned it several times tonight, haven't yeah. we? Just like with Thrust as well, and I think we mentioned it with Blue Streak 
recently and mm-hmm. he's popped up for like 15 pounds hasn't he now mm. sort of in, in bulk in this country but but does it is it does it do you think it sort of disappoints people to the point where they're like actually this is not even worth going yeah. in on the toys that i can yeah, get. i think so because it 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 flies in the face of goal-based collecting satisfaction and if you are a goal-based collector and you get your satisfaction from meeting those goals and you realize that this is then unachievable maybe you'll just focus on another area that is achievable because yeah. that hit and that satisfaction that comes yeah. from completing you can see it happening within your means and within what makes sense to you it does it confronts you doesn't it with that disappointment of knowing how difficult it is to complete stuff as well and when when it repeatedly happens like in those cases with generations and it's just a lot of hurdles it can just weigh you down a little bit like it, you can fall it almost fall out of love with this and that's what all this comes back to isn't it you buy these for the first place because you love them and yeah. then when it just becomes hard and you're just constantly hitting the face with this sort of oh so difficult and expensive and then you're disappointed and it puts a different spin on it so even when you do get it you spend so much money on it it can't quite live up to the sort of hope you had for it in the first place definitely and i think that's why it's it is disappointing that there are now so many exclusives in war for cybertron or in the main line because it there are people you know whether they're more casual collectors or whatever there are people that are experiencing that um it, you know in a way just a, a kind of like dipping their toe in the hobby and getting that sense of frustration and i feel like that's perhaps a little bit unfair do you know what i mean that's like that's not yeah. the way to encourage people further into the hobby by giving them that challenge straight off the bat you know it just seems a bit unnecessary maybe but on the other hand i did one thing i did think was interesting about unicron the the new unicron was that they were originally going to badge it as generation selects and they changed it because they realized quite rightly that it would frustrate people that wanted a complete generation selects collection and if it was called generation selects you, you would never have that if you didn't get the unicron and i think fair play to them for for making that realization yeah um, and if they're acknowledging the fact that collecting can go hand in hand with completism that it's definitely a thing and it's yeah. it's you know it's obviously on their mind when they whereas you know they could quite easily have gone the other way and sort of almost made people get it who, who were com- compelled to have complete collections Man, that would have but it's still other, a war for cybertron toy isn't it it's still yeah. war for cybertron if you're a war yeah. for cybertron completist i guess that ticks the box oh no i was just gonna say it's actually come up a few times hasn't it where they've said well if you look in the past they put out say one headmaster character wouldn't they in sort of 2006 2010 you'd maybe get like a giant hardhead none of the others because it's not a team but now they they pop up in interviews and they say they are going to complete the teams if they've done some of them they'll go back and do the others. And they did that recently with um, the Horrorcons, didn't they, where they released one and then Snapdragon came much later. But they only did that because they knew people wanted to complete it. So that means Sure Shot and Point Blank can't be that far away. They have to be. They do. There's no way they can't do those toys. And they have molds that fit them perfectly. Yeah, I'd love to see what, what they choose with Point Blank. That's a, that's a really special toy in, in just about every incarnation it's had. Have you seen the Counterpunch toy? Yes, yeah, yeah. I really like the way that looks, and that's definitely it's so point blank as well. Mm. You can with the shoulders, the way they point out, it's so much of it looks like that toy. Destroyers from deep space. I feel like we're complete on the topic. Mm. Um, <laughs> yep, someone had to say it, uh, but I think it is a really interesting one. Uh, I think it's a great discussion, and I think it kind of taps into so many different areas of what it means to be a collector, what it, 
um, you know, the kind of parameters that you set for yourself. And I suppose more importantly, the weight that you put on yourself as well, like the responsibility or the kind of burden that you kind of put on your own shoulders. And I think that is the the kind of thing that I'm, if anything, taking away from this whole discussion is that you really don't need to do that. You know, you don't need to, to give yourself that. Um, it's good to have challenge and it's good to have goals, but you don't need to give yourself that feeling of, of uh, obligation. Uh, and th- that is, uh, it's an impediment to enjoyment, really. But also we should completely acknowledge the collectors who get a kick out of it. And oh, yeah. that is the way that they derive the most enjoyment mm. of completing a line. And, and I know I've tried to complete enough lines that it is definitely a thing for me. I do try to complete lines, especially where I see they're achievable. And uh, on the very few occasions that I have managed it, I mean, I haven't even completed 1984. At, at no point of my 20 plus years in this hobby have I had all of 1984 G1 at the same time or 85, or 86, or 87, or any year. Plenty of G1 I've never owned. I think that Transformers GT line was the closest I'd ever gotten to finishing something completely. It's, I mean, It's going to be bisque. It's going to be bisque. Well, that's the thing. Like Someone has offered me um, a particular bisque toy, which is just a, like a, an international release of the version I have in, on the way. And I'm just thinking, like, do I do it? You know, like, am I going to be a bisque completist? Am I, do I want to be the person who's known for being a bisque? Am I just doing this for fun? Or am I Complete just want to take... Right. That's the thing. Like, But I know I'll enjoy it if I do it. So we, yeah, we, we should also remember that there is a positive aspect to this as well. And it gives people a goal. It gives them a hobby. It gives them a motivation. It gives them something to look forward to that they can always take happiness in. So if at any point it sounds like we're kind of casting shade on that approach, it's definitely not the case because I see it in myself. You know, I think I, as long I, as you're, I do it myself. yeah, same. I think as long as you're enjoying it, it's all good. Yeah, yeah. And as you can tell, like all three of us have very different ideas on what completionist is, don't you? And that goes for everyone. And so you define your own collection by that, don't you? What you want to get out of it. Mm-hmm. We now return to the Transformers. That brings us to the end of episode seven. Thank you again for joining us. We are continuously knocked out by the amount of positive comments we get from people who listen to the podcast even those who can't quite get on board with the fact that it's two plus hours long every other week but thank you for listening thank you for your positive comments Uh, we read every single one and i've been saving every single one so please keep listening you know keep in touch keep telling us what you think of the episodes mention things you think we didn't mention bring it up it's always great for discussion we do try to start threads on topics that we're doing podcasts about and we love hearing from you and often we'll drop in stuff that we've seen and mention it on the podcast I, I, yeah i would add to that i just really want to say that i think on behalf of all of us uh, you know thank you for listening and you complete us Ooh. until next time <laughs> no you've ruined it completely you <laughs> Totally derailed me. Completely killed it. He's been waiting to do that all night. I'm going to have to do that whole thing again. (laughs) It was so perfectly just fitting in. (laughs) Okay, I'll tell you what. If you dare, do it again. On my retake of this. Can you? Can you? Can you not just go from after I say you complete this? Okay. (laughs) And no more on that later. But lads, social media, where can they find you? 6-0. Uh, 
Uh, I, I am at 6OTF and I'm on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, at dad YouTube, jokes. YouTube, YouTube, yeah, plenty of dad jokes. That's it. Look me up for dad jokes. Liam? I can be found at Toybox Oatbox on an incomplete list of social media places like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Bebo? Was that a thing? Have I made that joke before? Yes. I think I have. <laughs> this was yeah, a variant. Twice. <laughs> you can find me at TF Square One. That's one word on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And also, you can follow Triple Takeover at Triple underscore Takeover on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure as always. See you next time. Mm-hmm.